Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made. From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. On this week's episode, we'll be exploring chosen families made up of queer friendships. And with me, joining me is my friend, writer, Tara Aquino. I am very excited to have you on this uh, podcast, and especially because we've been like messaging about this offline. Um, but how are you feeling overall? Um, I'm good. I've been thinking about this a lot. So it's like, maybe really put just life in perspective, to be honest. It's really? Been pretty loaded. Yeah. All right. Let's start from the beginning. So right now at a time where the LGBTQIA community is being pretty much stripped of rights and resources and allies, their support is either conditional or performative. It's crucial for queer people, especially queer people of color, to find safety and connection in community, one form being friendships. And it's important to see those friendships, I think, reflected back on screen, especially the joy. Um, so I'm, that's why also I think it's really important to you know just have these conversations over and over again. But knowing we were going to talk about this, what kind of like started going on in your brain? No, honestly, everything. I was like, just even how do I found my people? Hmm. in the first place. And I didn't find my people until I had the courage to say I'm queer out mm-hmm. loud or we had the courage to say I'm queer out loud to each other. And now I'm so grateful that I have a group of queer friends, whether intentionally or not, that we can just exist together. And there's like no pressure to perform a certain gender role or perform just perform who you think you're supposed to be. And you can just be of your messiest selves and not feel like you're going to be abandoned. I mean, we talk about chosen family in different ways or I guess different forms of chosen family. And it's something that you and I were messaging about when talking about this episode. 
And I feel like the thing that comes up for me when I think of chosen family is this love, this unconditional love from people that accept you, especially during times where who you are is being challenged, whether it be from like society, family. And I feel like that is something that's super important. But how do you feel like supported by this community that you built yourself, like your chosen family? I think it's just, we all have each other. You know, when I'm in spaces with my friends, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm not alone. And we have each other for strength and we have each other to like soldier up when there's a fucking war against our entire beings. Yeah. We talk a lot about like representation. Uh, We talked a lot about it this last episode when it comes to Latine families and like love. We don't see that. I didn't see that growing up. And I think that that's, it's like a bittersweet that representation is like a buzzword because of how important it is. But like looking back, just like queer friendships, not even if they're what you would think is a chosen family, but looking back on what you grew up on, what did you see on screen that you can remember that kind of like stuck with you when it came to queer friendships? I think a lot of the queer friendships that I saw on screen growing up weren't explicitly queer. Yeah. But there were friendships that felt like hella queer <laughs> and we're like, they're definitely going to grow up to be gay, like, to admit they're gay. Yeah. Um, so there's that Disney Channel show, Ready or Not. I cannot tell you what it's about. I know that they're two best friends, but I'm like, one of them is definitely gay. Just look at the outfit. I am. Hold on. I'm. Go ahead. Please I'm... Google Ready or Not. <laughs> um, and then Now and Then. Do you remember, do you ever watch that movie now and then? The movie? Yes. Yeah. I, lo- yes. I was like, how is Roberta not gay? Yes. You know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> how is she not gay? <laughs> like, I get it. You know, she's, she's, she can be a, a nuanced straight person. Um, <laughs> nuanced straight person. <laughs> that would have been liberating, right? It would have been like, oh, Roberta has a group of friends who are accepting and they grew up together they're like lifelong friends and she's still okay and she still lives like that's another thing it's like obviously now and then is a at the end of the day like they have a reunion and but in a lot of the explicitly queer content growing up someone dies Mm. (laughs) like it's never happy unless you're the queer best friend and you don't have an arc yeah like the token queer friend that yeah the token queer friend or you're not made an example of with some sort of trauma or tragedy. It would have been so liberating and so exciting to see someone live a full life mm-hmm. with healthy relationships rather than like having explicitly queer content that was just purely tragic. And that's why I was like, when I was trying to think of more examples of just friendships, I resonated more with like, I don't know, friendships like Corey and Sean. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Aww. yeah, there weren't really much else. There's Will and Grace. Yes, but, which our producer Sasha. A child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to our producer Sasha who yeah. uh, brought up Will and Grace. And I mean, it goes into what I, you know, what I was gonna talk about next is kind of like the evolution of like queer representation, queer friendship representation specifically. And we take something like Will and Grace, where it was big as far as like media goes right but also it centered it still was more so like you say like it has you mentioned like the singular queer best friend trope and that's what I think of uh, when I think of Will and Grace where it was more 
purposeful, not more so natural of this friendship, but I don't know. What do you think about like Will and Grace as far as like representation and how it's come? I thought Will and Grace was hilarious and I was super excited to see like Will and Grace and I, I, I watched it and I loved it. But yeah, I think the safest choice back then was to tell queer mm-hmm. stories left of center from straightness, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the queer story wasn't central. It had to be from the perspective, uh, like a heterosexual perspective or foundation. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned like the, you said this, like queer coded friendships is how it started. Like, and more now it's been more explicit, like explicitly queer friendships where it feels natural and something that like we were talking about is like euphoria, where it's just a mix of all these like humans, these teens. And it's not like you said, in this lens, you see all these perspectives and all these stories through their eyes all in one versus just like, here's this queer friendship or here's this queer like character over here in like some corner. And I feel like that, and then also sex education, which I love is also like these rep, like these examples of real life when it comes to queer friendships. No, I agree. It's, you know, it's like when we watch Brown characters now Mm -hmm. where they're, where they're allowed to have stories that aren't explicitly about their identity or just about their identity. And I'm so jealous of the kids who get to watch Euphoria and Heartstopper and Sex Education and just see these people be and experience life and heartbreak and build friendships. And I remember, I'm trying to think of like teen shows that I grew up watching and there was Dawson's Creek, there was... Jack and <laughs> the, but then like if like when, when those teen shows are made like to be an after school special we talked about this earlier yeah. too and like Degrassi and you know what I thought of is my so-called life where yes. where there was a queer character but it was like you said there's always like this narrative of trauma tied to that character versus just like letting them live their life as like with everyone else but yeah, then there's other shows that are kind of like sneaking in there. Or again, like you said, we look at it through the eyes of straight cisgender people also. Mm-hmm. But the first show that I remember that you wanted to talk about that was very unapologetically what it is was The L Word. And I think <laughs> I only saw like at, like reruns. Clear, Like I think I was too young to watch it and I didn't think I had access to it. But you love the L word. Do I love the do I love do I love the L word? I said you love the L word. <laughs> it's a statement, Tara. Was it a question? Calm Is it down. a statement? Oh my god! Am I being dragged? Am I being dragged? <laughs> no, I mean you made a point of like how yeah. real the messiness of it is, and I think that that's what's so important when it comes to representation is that you get to see all sides in a way that is real and isn't like, you know, depicted again from someone else's point of view. Yeah. You know, we love unapologetically messy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How did that, like, how did that show kind of change your perspective on how you watch these friendships on screen? I mean, I think first of all, growing up and sneaking episodes of the L word in (laughs) uh, after my parents went to sleep, it was helpful to just see that like 
oh, this is what it can look like in my adult life when I'm out and out of the house. And mm. it showed possibility. And I mean, it was like a little uh, unnerving as a child to be like, oh my God, is this, <laughs> yes. is this what relationships look like? How old were you when you were oh watching God, this? Man. When did it come out? Probably, I was definitely in middle school at least. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think I watched reruns of it later, but I remember it was 2004. It says it's when well, I ran for six seasons. I do remember it going for a long, for a minute. Oh, damn. That was a freshman in high school then. All right. Perfect so, timing. I was like, sounds about like a good time for you to like die. But it does sound like it was a little traumatizing when it came to like, oh my gosh, this is what relationships might be like for me in the future. But it was also like all of these women being messy together and being able to talk about it and have dinner and just be in each other's lives and do mundane things. I think that was so important to just see people live their lives. Yes, of course, with heightened melodrama for sexy ratings. <laughs> but my God, yeah. it was just it's exciting. I mean, it goes back to, again, like being very direct about the shit that people go through, but not centering it as like their one and only thing, you know? Yeah. So another like support system form that we've seen um, that I've also noticed is like with Pose where there is someone that's more like a caretaker. I mean, I love to see of just like bringing in people and kind of like protecting them, being who they wish they had, I think is like super important. And I love that about Pose of just like the community clearly that was like built across the board, but also just like being this like safe harbor that... Blanca has built with this house of like bringing this youth in and like kind of taking them under her wing. How did you feel about like that type of representation when it came to like friendship? Watching Pose and seeing that kind of purest depiction of family Mm. was such a relief, you know, and it feels so true to the way that I feel about my friendships now where it's like we're each other's homes. I come from a really, really big Filipino Catholic family, and I feel like a huge outsider, no matter how much I like. And I love my family, Mm -hmm. but it's just different. And I think Pose is this manifestation of of home that, like, the way it feels, like, inside when I'm with my friends. Well, you talked also about, like, or you mentioned Tales of the City, which I've never watched. Yeah, so with Pose, there's also Tales Tales of the City, which is... I didn't watch the original one when I was like too young, <laughs> but <laughs> um, <laughs> it was basically like an apartment complex in San Francisco that takes in a bunch of different queer people and each have different relationships. And there's a sort of matriarch who unites everyone. And, and that is literal home <laughs> the same way, you know, Blanca also creates a literal home in pose. I mean, I think again, like that's, it's important to see that there's other forms of love that you can also find and also like create on your own, which I guess is also, again, important to see. So then it's just like, oh, okay, I could, blood doesn't have to be what defines family. Like I can also build a family of my own. And I think it's really important to see that in different ways. Like even you describing Pose and Tales of the City, even though they have that same type of, I guess, narrative, it's still, it's very different as far as like community goes. Yeah, I think... You know, I think family is a feeling. 
I think family is a sense of safety and a sense of home. And I think that's why chosen families are so important because you're literally building your own home. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I think it's also, I mean, I think Kinta mentioned this of like, why do we always have to talk about trauma? Like, why can't it be just again, like with Abbott, just like seeing everyday life? And we talk about this depiction of joy, which I think is also super important here because you then see this other side to a human that probably shows them at their like best. And I think that that's important. And, you know, we talked about Fire Island offline, but I love that movie because of that. Just like this depiction of joy that all of them experience in different ways, depending on the nights or the day that they're at Fire (laughs) Island. Um, And it's just like amazing to see again, just like queer people living and like seeing this side but also tackling real life shit throughout it because that's what life is. You know, like there are no shying away of certain topics or certain like stereotypes or anything like that. Like just kind of like tackling that face forward. But sorry, I'm like obsessed with that movie. But how, what? I love that movie. <laughs> Tell me about like Fire Island, what you thought of when you first saw that. What I love about Fire Island is first of all, shout out to Andrew on. I love Andrew and it exists on its own terms. Like, that's what I love about it is it's that it's not for straight people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, this is a movie by the queer community with the queer, queer, with the queer community for the queer community. Yeah. Because why can't there be certain things that are, you know, for us, by us type of like storylines. Like that is how people get connected. That's how people feel connected to what they're watching is when they see themselves, especially when it's made through the lens of someone within that community. I mean, in my opinion, that's what you want to connect to is you're like, wow, you know, that's why we get so excited when it's like an all women cast or like things like that. It's just because, okay, I also trust who made this, that they made it for me. Exactly. And it's also so rare that people from marginalized communities even get the opportunity to be on a platform that big. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm like, everybody loves Raymond. It's not for me. <laughs> you know what I mean, like what? Yeah. Like cheers is not for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, but that's the I'm thing, like, right? It's like majority yeah. of shows that we watch, at least, you know, again, I was talking about this as far as like Latina representation, like, I can remember watching my family, mi familia, and then a big gap occurs. And then I watch Selena and like that, I didn't see any shows that 
I could see myself in, let alone like my family in. And with that comes like com- you're comparing yourself. Right? We were comparing ourselves with white families and asking ourselves, why aren't we doing what they were doing versus like celebrating our culture more naturally if we would have seen that. Like a lot, majority of these shows aren't, weren't for us, aren't for us. And when there is, you got to celebrate that win. So there's more, right? Like, again, that's also a big thing with like shows being canceled or not being renewed. It's just like, you have to go out to show that we're here. Like, you know what I mean? So sorry, I'm like all passionate and excited. No, it's true. It's like, it's <laughs> Renew like these shows and we want yeah. more. Honestly, <laughs> dude, it's like, there's more work on top of the work you all, it already took to get here. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, who's going to fight the fight? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to keep showing up. But I do like, as far as like Fire Island, I love like the also, you know, we talk about emotions. So, you know, I'm going to have to say the vulnerability of the dynamic between, is it Noah and Howie? Of like, one is right, like supposed to be all tough or Noah's supposed to be all tough and doesn't want Howie to get hurt. Meanwhile, that's just him being fearful of showing his vulnerability. And Howie's just like, I want like rom-com love, which... I know we can relate to, uh, but I love that also that like, again, these other type of tropes that you see in other movies that center heterosexual people lives through everyone, not just heterosexual people. And I think that's what I loved about it is like you have Howie over here being like a hopeless romantic and having his best friend kind of like protect him. Um, It was just nice to see these narratives play throughout this community in a very like natural way yeah and the thing about fire island is that it's you know it's based on pride and prejudice (laughs) (laughs) so you know what i mean it's like oh because we're queer doesn't mean of course we inherently experience life differently but that doesn't exclude us from experiencing heartbreak and disappointment in in the same ways and i think what was so brilliant about fire island was that like more than a love story, it showed the growing pains of friendship, Ooh, you yeah. know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, they're, they're losing the house. Yeah. How he's growing up. And I think he's in San Francisco, right? Yeah. And Noah's in New York and they've been, their little like uh finger touch that they do, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I've never like, just certain like, Again, like moments of vulnerability, moments of like real emotion, of jealousy, of like this competition of like friendships or who's going to get with who, with what's that guy's name? Dex. Oh God. Um, That too. <laughs> like that comes like certain just themes that like you said, like everyone goes through. So it should be portrayed as so. But the fun parts, the joy of it, the countdown to the sunsets, like, <laughs> again, like moments of joy that need to be seen from all perspectives, not just, you know, through one lens. Yeah. And it's like, and it just kind of makes me wonder, just even for people who aren't queer, but have children who are queer, to see depictions of friendships and lives like Fire Island and not be afraid for their kids. And to be able to have those conversations with their kids and, you know, they can create spaces because there are possibilities for them to have a fuller life. When everything, everywhere, all at once, one best picture, my mom texted the group chat and she was like, oh my God, Tara, are you excited that everything, everywhere, one best picture? Should we watch it? And I'm like, 
yes. Like, <laughs> as someone who's come out to my family hella times, yeah. but we still don't talk about it, I'm like, oh my God, please watch Everything Everywhere. And that's why it's so freaking important because it's like, you know, you, you and I and the whole internet can talk and think piece and all that stuff. But like, my mom's not going to watch anything until the Oscars tell her that it was a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. These films are are not only starting, but having conversations that just like are lost in translation with our families. And that is I mean, I I know with my parents, it's like I I think I've mentioned this before, like what I do has been kind of this thing up in the air of like Erica writes, Erica does this or this Erica feels. And I'm just like, (laughs) Erica feels. Right, because instead of asking me, they just assume, but that's a whole other episode of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to like send them context or movies or songs. And that's just wild how much we use media to, and I guess, again, it's privileged to think of it as it being wild to like offer context to who we are as humans to some of the people that we or society considers closest to us. Right. Like, and again, I guess it's again tied to like why chosen families are so important because that is where we feel seen and also probably get support to talk to our own families on how we could be seen. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this whole cycle, right? It's like chosen families are so important because in so many cases we're rejected by our own family. And so you, you have to create your own to survive survive yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) just the the basic basic human things yeah loved and cared for but imagine you could already create safe spaces within your family because you have the tools and the examples and the language and the uh, to talk about it and to see that it's okay I mean, that's a whole systemic issue <laughs> and we need yeah. hella fire islands and we need uh, so many, so many more things out there in mainstream media. I know. Okay, what so if you much. chose your own family? There's you know? so <laughs> much. What if you chose your own family? <laughs> What's wild is I think we talked about this of like, we love our families, right? Like we, we both yeah. of us individually love our family. We talk about our families when we hang out and it's just like. And there's still this like yearning, at least I'll speak for myself, to still feel seen and acknowledged by these people that I know love me, which is like, that's even, I know you love me. Like, <laughs> we're going to start talking about emotions again. And like, you know, and then you run to your chosen family and you feel blessed to have them. And at the same time, you have to kind of grieve that you can't find that in your blood family at the same time. Like, it's just this, like, cluster of emotions where you do feel grateful, but you're also grieving what you don't have on another side. And again, like, as much as we say it, it's really important to to actually see something like Pose or see something like the L word or see something where it's explicitly who you are and be like, oh, okay, like, like you said, it's not just imaginary. It's not just, I'm not alone or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, we could keep having a conversation about our families. But it's like, I'm also like taking it upon myself in like microwaves to be like a disruptor and like sprinkle mm. in a little gay here and there. <laughs> <laughs> you mean with your families? Is that what you mean? Yeah, with my family, <laughs> just to make it a little easier. And then I'm like, you know, my friends come for, the holidays sometimes or come over and it's like everybody's gay 
Yeah. Wait, wait, is that you sprinkling gay? Is having it's all your me friends? sprinkling gay for the holiday cheer. <laughs> <laughs> this is me sprinkling holiday cheer. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's, I mean, I love it. We have, I think that's also a big thing is you have to find a way to put yourself out there, put yourself, put who you really are out there. Like, like even if it takes sprinkling yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> into certain things, I think it's important, but I mean, you are a writer yourself. So you are writing stories like this, like when it comes to these type of narratives that we want to see more of, what's important? Like, what do you keep in mind when you're writing certain things? I guess what's important to me is to, when I'm writing, is to make sure that I'm not just writing or playing into certain tropes or certain archetypes and that people are more than just their identity on the page, you know? And it's like, I've written things and I've about like Filipino people and I've gotten the note that's like, what if you raise the stakes by making her brother an illegal immigrant? <laughs> I'm like, no, we're allowed to, we, we don't, that's not necessarily. Oh, I know uh, that, that you know? type of, <laughs> yeah. And it's not, we're not one dimensional. We're not only, and that's what's scary. We're not only what you see. There's so much that you don't see that we are. And as a writer myself, I think you do, I can see myself sometimes play into tropes because they are comforting because you, people Mm -hmm. will understand them. People will feel connected, but I think that's a good note of just like, how do you challenge that? Because that's also not true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I find myself a lot coming back to tropes or even like starting from tropes and then pulling back and being like, if I was talking to this person in real life and if this was a person in my real life, like, who are they? And like, what is their day-to-day like? What do they listen to? What's their favorite show? Every time I write, I try to look at the whole person and their history rather than like how they're serving the story or of course I'm thinking that but like it's got to be more and it feels like when especially when we write about marginalized communities we have to keep thinking about this because it's not just our truth we have to convince other people that our truth is true which is crazy I know yeah (laughs) you know yeah because your reality is actually reality yeah Um, yeah well I mean, I know that we had a lot of feels on this episode, so I appreciate you for opening up and sharing of yourself, sprinkling yourself. (laughs) Sprinkling a little gay. Sprinkling a little gay. Um, But thank you for talking to me today. Um, And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any thoughts or feels about what we talked about today, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Thank you.